All right. Hello and welcome one more time to our uh, Encounter podcast. We're going to be going over lesson number five. It's going to be for July 4th, 2021. It's going to be from Psalm 115. We've titled that The Greatest of Greatness of God, Adoration. Before we get into that, I wanted to uh, plug one more time uh, the Children's Fest, cpcmc.org forward slash Children's Fest. Uh, you can go and get all your information there. The theme of that is In Your Neighborhood. Uh, the Cumberland Presbyterian Church Children's Fest. That's going to be July 17th, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And again, this is going to be virtual, so you can do this at your own church, so you don't have to worry about trying to get to McKenzie. You can team up with other churches in your um, presbytery or in your uh, lo locality. And um, when you register, you know, we're not needing a whole lot of information. It's not going to cost you anything. Um, you just get your group leader name, name of church or church's name of presbytery, put in your mailing address because we got some stuff to send you, and then just general estimated group size and then just break it down. But you don't have to exactly have it uh, to an absolute perfection. Uh, so again, you can do this at your home church. You'll need internet access and need a way to play videos from the internet and display those. But it'll be a good time. Jody's worked hard on that. Very proud of her and her work. And I know it's going to be a good thing for your church. So. Uh, go ahead and get registered for that. All right. Um, also, it's General Assembly Week. So whenever you listen to this, if you listen to it on Monday or Tuesday, then pray for General Assembly. We'll be doing the business of the church and trying to honor God in all that we can. So um, keep that in mind. If you listen to it um, later in the week, General Assembly might be done. But um, still, pray for the church if you think about it. Alright, so again, Psalm 115, uh, let me read our prayer for illumination. Almighty God, you alone are worthy of our praise and adoration. In studying today, fill our minds and mouths with praises to you, O King of endless glory. Amen. And our memory verse for today is, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory, for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. That's from Psalm 115.1. All right, so in the introduction, uh, Dr. Qualls um, introduces us to, to something of majesty, something that brings awe in most people's hearts and minds, and that is he talks about the Grand Canyon. Um, he talks about how the Grand Canyon now, sometimes in a world where we've been awed and we've been, you know, torn in so many ways, we, we've kind of we've lost the... The, I don't know, the ability to be awed by nature or other things. And so uh, he quotes uh, Kevin Fedarko. Uh, and let me uh, read what Kevin says here. Nowhere else, anywhere, can we gaze upon something so clearly beyond ourselves and thereby be forced to acknowledge how small we truly are, all of which makes for a rather striking irony because this canyon, this monumental testament to the insignificance of mankind, may no longer be able to transmit with sufficient force its central and defining insight, the idea that we most need to hear, a message that touches upon the thing we Americans lack most, which is humility. And I think that's kind of true, man. Like, we're, we've, we've lost all uh, in, our, in our society. And so it takes something very, very big, very personal uh, to uh, get us to a, a state of awe and majesty and I think God can do that and so that's where we that's where we start um, Dr. Qualls goes on to talk about a, a retreat that he went to 
that he said uh, they were going to pray for 24 straight hours, in which he said that's 23 and a half hours longer than he had ever spent directly in prayer. Uh, and so part of this retreat time was to, you know, work up your spiritual muscles and your prayer muscles. And uh, so they did. And I think that's a certainly something for us to do um, to encourage us to be in the presence of God who can awe us and who can turn our thoughts away from ourselves to him. One of the ways we do that is with spiritual disciplines, you know, prayer, Bible study, giving, um, you know, all these rhythms and flows that we invite God into every aspect and every moment of our lives. And then we are constantly aware of the presence of God and therefore our life can become um, aware of the majesty and goodness and awe of God as we practice those things. Again, it's like a gym. It's like exercise. We submit ourselves to these disciplines. We invite God in. And, and before you know it, we're living life in the presence of, of a holy God, which makes us pause when we choose things and when we act on things and, and so on so forth. So um, next, the exploring the scripture part of this, uh, Dr. Qualls uh, brings over uh, the, the thought that humility is the key to worship, right? So um, our memory verse, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory uh, because of your love and faithfulness. Now, I think it's really important then that we also for modern worship and contemporary worship. We understand that the praise and the honor and the majesty that we give to God is not based on manipulation or power or force or guilt or shame, but when we meditate on the goodness of God in our lives, what God has done for us and in us and through us and through the community, it brings us to the point of wanting to worship because we recognize that there's nothing good within ourselves. So think about Isaiah and Isaiah chapter 6 where Isaiah is confronted by God and that vision of God so overwhelms Isaiah that Isaiah falls flat. And he says, woe to me for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Or think of Peter when he was fishing in the Gospel of Matthew. And Jesus says, you know, throw, throw the net on the other side. And Anyway, he gets such a large catch of fish, he knows he's in awe then of Jesus and he, and he, he falls down you know, in, in absolute awe and terror. And I think that's, it's through scripture, it's through preaching, it's through the Holy Spirit in which we're brought to awe and majesty of God. We can't manipulate it, and we shouldn't try to, uh, to be honest with you, because that leads to terrible worship. Might lead to good numbers, but it leads to terrible worship. Who knows? Um, but anyway, worship does start with humility. It starts with being connected to God and receiving a vision of God as it is so much greater than what we are or what we have in our lives or material pursuits that we simply um, have no other choice uh, but to worship. And so Dr. Qualls in the Exploring the Scripture uh, passage talks about how uh, Paul came to that point on the Damascus Road. He got to the point to where he was struck with blindness and he didn't know what was going on, but then God, Jesus reveals himself and Paul asks this question, who are you, Lord? And that's the question that we have to ask ourselves as worshipers today. Like, what does it mean that Jesus Christ is Lord? Dr. Qualls writes, uh, the top question of who am I can only be considered after we've determined to whom or what we give our allegiance, who sets our agenda. 
Who gets the first consideration in every decision? To whom do we look for ultimate guidance? In whom do we trust with our lives? The, there are implications of our saying Jesus is Lord that affect both the overall trajectory and the daily decisions of our lives. But it starts with acknowledging, one, there is a God, and two, it's not me. And I think that's absolutely right. And that brings us to our discussion question of the week. What are the various ways of praising God that are included in your congregation's worship services? Are there others that would be meaningful to include? Cumberland Presbyterians aren't uh, uniform. Uh, we have different worships and different, what is it in your worship service that inspires awe in you? And then what are some things that maybe you've experienced at other uh, worship services outside of your own church that have, or in your church that you don't normally do, that has inspired awe and worship and gratitude out of your heart? So that's a good discussion question to think about. In the Digging Deeper section, uh, Dr. Qualls gives us really an illustration of what it means then that God is, uh, is, is great in that we are servants uh, from the life of Christ. At the Last Supper, it's very likely that they sing, Christ and the disciples sing from Psalm 115. And then after dinner, you remember Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and he has that moment where he's sweating blood and his soul is troubled. And he says, um, my father, if it's possible, let this cup be taken from me, right? But if God is getting glory and we are submitted to God as our Lord, then the next statement from Christ applies not only to Christ in the garden, but us today. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And so that's really where we get. And once we start doing that and we submit ourselves, uh, to the plans of God, we also learn that we, um, in humility, are absolutely dependent upon God for anything. And so that then reflects praise, gratitude uh, back to God and God alone. Like we don't get any of the glory in that sense. All right, so then the learning from the scripture, witness of the church section, Dr. Qualls has a really good illustration. So Psalm 115 talks about giving glory to God alone, and then it starts talking about idols and those who worship idols. And Psalm 115, of course, talks about those that are fashioned by human beings with metal or wood or whatever it may be. And Dr. Qualls rightly says, like, we're 21st century people. We don't have idols that we make by our hands or whatnot. You know, we're too sophisticated for that. But here's the thing. We always have idols. Like John Calvin says, our hearts are factory of idols. And we can even make idols out of good things. That's my that's my contribution to Christian preaching uh, in my life is that um, we've confused good things with godly things, good things with Christian things, and they've become idols. And, and so Dr. Qualls gives us an illustration of a, of a man that he knew who had done very well, been very successful in life so far as business is concerned, made lots of money, had influence, status, power, whatever you want. But Dr. Qualls went to go visit him one time after he retired. After he retired from this business he created, the company kept him on as a consultant, and the guy still goes in too early in the morning, stays too late, and goes home, and does the same thing over and over again. So Dr. Qualls, visiting his office one day, asked, Why? Why do you push yourself? Why, at your age, do you still come in early and stay late? And the mood turned somber as he said, I don't know anything else. I've always been driven. He recalled a life consumed with getting ahead, achieving success, advancing. He was exactly what many uh, recommend today. He was focused. 
In his younger years, he would push his car out of the garage and start it in the street so he wouldn't wake his wife, as once again he headed off to work in the wee hours to get a head start on the competition. He was devoted, just not to his wife and family. Ultimately, he said it cost him his marriage and estranged him from his family. With great business relationships and few relationships elsewhere, he really didn't have any other purposeful existence, so he still went to the office every day. All my fault, he acknowledged. I have spent all my life chasing the almighty dollar. I've been very successful at it, but I gave up everything that's important in life to get here. That's a, that's a story of people, right? That goes on every single um, every single day. Uh, and And this is where I say that all of that's good, even down to the detail of pushing the car on a garage and starting it at the end of the street to make sure his wife isn't um, woken up. I mean, that's, those are all great things. And honestly, you would love that from your child, right? But at the same time, uh, divorce, estrangement from family, these aren't God-honoring things. This is not God-glorifying things. And, and if we look deeper into our hearts, we realize we do some of these things out of a sense of just pride or a sense of selfishness. Maybe it's not even about the money. It's just this drive that you want to be known as important or whatever it may be. Or you might want the money. Whatever it is, those are our idols. And, and, and in so doing, we take away the glory from God and we give glory to ourselves or glory to that which we're uh, seeking so hard to achieve. And we can't do that. Um, good doesn't necessarily mean Christian. Just remember that. Um, so anyway, good illustration there. Um, the applying the scripture section um, I'll just read this it's pretty good um, alright so Dr. Qualls ends with this uh, this little story the captain of a large ocean going vessel navigated through a foggy night in the distance he saw the faint glimmer of lights send a message he said quickly to a signalman tell that ship to alter its course 10 degrees south a return message was received alter your course 10 degrees north Upset that his command had not been immediately followed, the captain sent a second message. I am a captain. Alter your course 10 degrees south. Immediately he received a return message. I am a seaman, third class. Alter your course 10 degrees north. Now furious, the captain told his signalman to send a third message. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a U.S. battleship. And the reply came again immediately. And I am a lighthouse. Alter your course 10 degrees north. And Dr. Qualls says, just so we puff ourselves up, we make a life and fashion little gods to appease. Gods who, we are sure, would sound our praises if only they could speak. We forge arrogantly ahead, captains of our own destiny. But the voice speaking out of the darkness happens to be the light of the world, and we ignore it to our own peril. So worship begins when uh, selfishness ends, uh, in that sense. Uh, the greatest act of adoration or praise or worship that we as, as creatures can do is to give God God's proper place in our hearts and our lives and, and to adore God and, and be in awe of God because of God's gracious acts. Uh, that, and we acknowledge that. And we acknowledge that we, we of ourselves are off course and we have to follow the, the light and, and be instructed by the light. Uh, to end today, I'm going to show another little clip, about 10 minutes clip of uh, the interview I had with Dr. Qualls and Dr. D. So. so the next then kind of portion that I had in my mind that when we had the way of wisdom or the way of folly and those next, I'd say, eight or seven uh, Psalms, I wanted to focus on 
worship because ultimately the Psalms were used in worship in the Old Testament. And for many denominations, uh, people might not know this, like many denominations, especially Reformed Presbyterian churches, they still just sing the Psalms. Sometimes they just do the Psalms with no, with no piano. Right? So um, it's still around and I think it's good for us. When I was trying to figure out the scriptures to use, I thought in my mind, the old, um, probably I learned as a child, the Acts uh, mnemonic or device, you know, or adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Um, and so I tried to pattern some of these um, scriptures to that. And so um, first, I think the Psalms present God a certain way to be worshipped, right? Like they, the Psalms understand God, especially in the Hebrew context, a lot different than maybe their, the Hebrews neighboring cultures. God was a particular, he was a personality. God, or we say God is a personality, not a force, not some energy or whatnot. And God was merciful and God was wise and these kinds of things. Um, and then the nature of God led the Hebrews to praise him, right? And, and then we have like the acts of creation. We have God's mercy and God's love as, as reasons to pray, praise God. And then I wanted to get into confession a little bit because uh, confession is an act of worship. And some of our... Um, more liturgical Cumberland Presbyterian churches, you still have a call to confession. You have a prayer confession, and then you have an absolution or, or a uh, assurance of pardon. And so I think it's an important part of worship. So anyway, I think what I'll do is I'll just open it up to both of y'all and say, how do the Psalms lead us in worship? And what, what are the important things the Psalms would say you do in worship, right? Like, is there a certain way to worship? Or is there you know, restrictions on how to worship, these kinds of things. Just talk a little bit about how you understand the theology of the Psalms in worship. Steve, why don't you take this one first? <laughs> okay. All right, I'll go. Um, That's what you say when you don't have a ready answer. <laughs> yes, Psalms, the book of Psalms help us to worship God like we've been saying uh, uh, from the beginning today that uh, when we come to God, we come into God with a clean heart. A clean heart, not meaning uh, a heart that is uh, washed clean, like we look at clean, but a heart that is open, that is available, like a tabula rasa, ready to uh, receive from God. And uh, of course, Psalms help us to see who we are. Psalms help us to uh, look around us to see the beautiful, to see, uh, the beautiful presence of God around us, to see what God has done, what God is doing, to see things that God is capable of doing and all that. And to, I mean, some of some of the Psalms, songs of, of Psalms uh, alluded to the things that God had done to the Israelites, like when they are ascending, when they are going to Jerusalem and all that. Uh, and so with Psalms, we are in a position to be more self-aware that, okay, this is who we are, we are not in the same place. We are not as great. We are not as good as God is. But God still relates and have relationship with us. That we can come to God the way we are and we can be better. The more we uh, read the word of God, the more we uh, relate with him. We'll be able to say, oh, uh, if God is this holy and uh, I can be holy too, uh, but then uh, I ought not to be doing this. So we, we, we begin to we begin to glean from God. Let me put it that way. Uh, we begin to learn from Him, 
from our interaction, from our relationship with him. And the songs that are in Psalms, I mean, it's, it's like, and when I read Psalms, it's like, this is somebody just writing from their heart, not writing to impress somebody, not writing to please somebody, but writing to say it as it is. Dr. Quiles. Well, let me say, I love the way you said that, because like, I've always thought, man, sometimes the church gets so caught up in policing and we don't get caught up in just worship. Like, and, and the Psalms presents a way of transformation through worship and not just a do this, do that, do this, do this. Exactly. And then when I hear you talking, I, I kind of hear you saying from out of Psalm 8 to where, you know, where we see this majesty of God and, and where it's reflected in the special creation of humanity in the world. And uh, so we see our, we are reflections of God. We're images of God and God is majestic and holy and we are too, right? And we mess it up. But anyway, creation and all that good stuff. All right, Dr. Paul, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, uh, good. I appreciate you both uh, weighing in there. Um, so a shout out to uh, Psalm 8 uh, and a shout out to my high school creative writing teacher, uh, Mary Jo Barnett. Uh, by the way, most of these uh, people in, that I write about um, are alive today, and uh, I can't wait till uh, some of them people, some of those people, read the, uh, the their stories. Uh, Mary they Joel, probably need to buy three or four copies to share for their friends. <laughs> I, plan, I, plan, I plan to make sure that they're aware because most of the people that I talk about are not aware at all of some impact that may have had on my life and my life of faith. And so the, to the worshiping community, this to me is a valuable lesson for all of us. Uh, it, I, I, I did write about this. I don't know if it takes a village to raise a child, but I do know it takes a worshiping community to communicate the gospel. And uh, a worshiping community is what is required for us to help pass, as the Hebrew understood so clearly, you know, this way of knowing, including knowing God, can only be passed down if we're really intentional about it and focus and pour ourselves into the lives of, of others. Uh, in, in this case, we're talking about the next generation. So I was I was uh, affected, touched by um, the, the Carmen Presbyterian Church I grew up in and the nurture that they gave me, the affirmation that they gave me, um, even before I had a memory. Uh, as, as they brought me to the front and had me recite a poem for a Christmas program that I never even remember doing. But over the years, I remember people saying, oh yeah, the time you did that poem, it was it really blessed my soul. And so uh, I know this is way off the string, well, off the subject that you intended to focus on the idea of structuring to worship, to bring people into worship. But um, I think the, the bigger picture is that we all are part of that family that communicates the good news of Christ and, and draws people into the presence, uh, the living presence of God. So, uh, well, I, I would say like one of the reasons, us, oh, go ahead. Oh, you may want to bring us back to the conversation. I will, but one of the reasons as to why I picked the Psalms is also because in our modern culture, worship is seen sometimes as a just something that you do on your own and people sometimes skip that whole family of god part and and i think you unintendedly just showed that. i mean like worship is meant to be in community uh, in the and so i think that's important what you've shared there uh even even if you think it was off course I, i'm just saying it is amazing to me how people um 
remember and maybe don't even appreciate until they're older just how good the church was to them and how they were formed and shaped by that. But anyway, um, no, it, that's fine in the conversation. Um, if there is anything that you want to talk about, particularly the, the worship in the Old Testament and or how the Psalms shape the New Testament, we can do that too, or however you want to do that. Just briefly, the, uh, I see um, the Psalms idea of worship is not different than the Genesis idea of worship, not different than the New Testament understanding of worship. Uh, and I think the reformed format has in some ways captured what you were talking about, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, uh, a, a movement in worship uh, from recognizing God, the creator, who God is, and moving from that to getting to know this creator God who's interested in my life uh, uh, and invites me into a, a bigger life, a better life, a life an eternal life through, through Jesus. And um, so even if you, whether you have a formal or informal worship, I think it's important that we keep those parameters and those movements in mind that is biblical. Um, and, uh, and Psalms, I think, reiterates that in lots of ways. There's nothing out of bounds for the psalmist, uh, nothing that you can't bring into the presence of God. Uh, your agony is as much a part of we what sometimes in church we we put on this our best face uh, we um, we uh, come as if we don't have flaws or failures or problems and uh, everybody looks around with those pretty clothes and pretty faces and we forget that in as we come to worship, we also have brokenness, and we have needs, and we have sin, and we have uh, desperation in some cases, and uh, and depression in some cases. My goodness, this COVID nonsense has really uh, given us all um, a little case of, uh, of the blues in some ways. So that too is part of worship. I don't think uh, we, we need to sanitize our worship. We bring ourselves, and some churches are afraid of that. Some of us in our churches are afraid um, of bringing the raw hurt. Uh, and uh, I, I think that's, we have missed something powerful in worship. Um, we need prayers and we want to be the best church we can be to bring glory to God. If you're teaching this week, uh, may the Lord bless you and your words with power and grace. And if you're studying this week, may God transform you by the renewal of your mind. And we'll see you next week.